0: You're home with the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Diamondbacks and Dodgers did not resemble good teams last night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joining the Sports by Zach Kreiser of Yahoo Sports. Zach, always good to have you on the show. Let's start with the Diamondbacks. And The defense has been elite, but not the last two nights. While the Dodgers' bullpen imploded for really the fourth time in the last week or so against the White Sox. Let's start with the Diamondbacks. What are you most impressed about their 41 and 27 start?
1: I think you just have to look at the the young talent that they have kind of built to a critical mass. Uh, Corbin Carroll, by some measures, uh, I think Van Graaff's war hasn't as the best player in baseball, just full stop right now thus far this season. Uh, uh, he might be a, a smidge behind Ronald Acuna Jr. now, but uh, nothing to uh, be disappointed about there. You know, Carroll has been kind of the flashpoint. He's hitting for power at all fields. He's playing good defense. He's leading the Diamondbacks in a base running just triumph. I mean, this is probably the best <laughs> base running team in baseball. They are great at stealing, they are great at taking the extra base. and. I think one of the other things that they've been great at that I wrote about a Yahoo Sports that doesn't get quite as much notice is they've been great at stopping the other teams from taking bases. Uh, Gabriel Moreno has been terrific at cutting down opposing base runners. And in 2023, with the rules changing and the base running taking on a much bigger part of the game, that has been a, a great time to have those abilities in tandem.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, you know, Carson Kelly's now back from the injured list, and you know the pitchers love throwing to him. He's actually started all three games Kelly has since he's been activated from the IL. So I'm not. Uh, I mean, it would be interesting to see if uh, you know how the you know the fact that they've controlled the running game will make a big difference. So just a little addendum to to the uh, the catching situation there. The Diamondbacks pitching staff. Can this team have long-term success in 2023 with just two reliable starting pitchers, and with they yeah, basically I think they're the definition different definition so far of a mix and match bullpen. Can, can they? Is is that a formula for long-term success this season?
1: I don't think that the exact team they have right now is going to be a formula for long-term success, but I I think. If you're going to be uh, kind of a surprise contender and need to make a few changes at the deadline, the bullpen is the best place you could possibly want to be making changes. Uh, That is, you know, it's kind of the hardest to evaluate, but it's also the easiest to upgrade at the trade deadline. And so I think the Diamondbacks have a good opportunity to find some some gems, especially with Brent Strom as pitching coach who maybe have a pitch or two that they're not using as well or maybe have the chance to add a little velocity, find a couple upgrades at the deadline, and yeah, I I think you have a path for the Diamondbacks to certainly succeed enough to make the playoffs. I I don't know if there's uh, I, I still wouldn't necessarily bet on them to maintain the NL West division lead the rest of the season, but They've got a lot of good stuff to work with to make it a real playoff contending bullpen.
0: Yeah. The bullpen thing. I was going to get to this uh, later. Let me just do it now. Uh, Nearly every contending team in baseball needs some bullpen help. Is the the demand for that, which I think is greater than it. it, it, It's always a free for all, but I think it's even more of a demand this year, at least as of right now. Nothing can change. A lot of things can change between now and the end, end of July, but, is the demand going to result in the asking price for bullpen arms for the sellers to be a little reluctant to give up what they might have to give up?
1: It's possible, and I, I do think we have a little bit of a weird situation right now where there's uh, there just aren't that many clear sellers. Uh, the worst teams in yeah. baseball are, you know, bunched up in divisions where they they sort of still have a chance of making the playoffs. You know, you look at the AL and the NL Central, and a lot of teams that might have been on the seller side of the fence in, you know, the vast majority of seasons in baseball history are not quite sure they're there yet this season. I don't know if you can look at, say, the Cincinnati Reds and think, well, they should sell because they're only a few games out. They've got young talent coming up kind of a where the D-backs were last year, just in a much easier division to compete in so i think there's going to be more of an issue of who is willing to sell and how do you find those opportunities to get a good arm if there aren't that many available i think one of the things you might see develop is a market where two different contenders are trading with each other to try to swap parts i think you know, if you look at the uh, the Brandon Marsh trade the Phillies made last year with the Angels, where they gave them an immediate piece for another immediate piece, I think that may be something that you could see the Diamondbacks, who have a lot of position play, young position players who other teams might be interested in. Could they trade one of those for a, a decent starting pitcher or a really good reliever? Yeah, maybe.
0: Oh, that leads exactly to what I was going to ask next. Should they actually trade some of their immense young talent for pitching before the deadline? Should they do it?
1: I I think you have to you'd have to look at the exact deal, but I I think there's definitely an argument to be made that they have they still even after trading Dalton Varsho this offseason, in what's turned out to be. You know, I I think everyone's going to be okay with that deal, but I'd say right now the Diamondbacks are happier with it given the performance of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and, you know, Moreno stepping in while Kelly was out and kind of establishing himself. Uh, I think you have to consider it, whether it's, you know, someone who sees a real future in Alec Thomas, someone who thinks they can unlock more from Jake McCarthy. Uh, it, It could even be further down the line if they have a strong feel on which of Emmanuel Rivera and Josh Rojas they prefer going forward. Could one of those guys be attracted to another team? I, I think they just have so many position player options right now that they absolutely have to at least consider what type of pitcher they could get back for one of those guys.
0: Okay, kind of continuing that line of thinking here. We're talking with Zach Kreiser from Yahoo. Are there difference-making starting pitchers who might be available? And if so, who might they be?
1: Well, there are not many who have looked like difference makers this year, I would say. Uh, but there are certainly guys who have been difference makers in the past. There's sort of a weird thing happening where, you know, if you look at the White Sox and the Guardians, those two teams that are far below their expectations for this year, and I think maybe two of the more likely sellers, have guys like Dylan Cease and Shane Bieber, who have been top of the Cy Young ballot type guys, Bieber actually won one, and they just don't look like themselves this year necessarily. And that's part of the important scouting process between now and the end of July is determining: okay, is this an injury issue that's going to keep them out for the rest of the year and make them less useful. Is it something mechanical that can be changed? Is it pitch selection that can be changed? Uh, A lot of that is going to be going into making decisions about who is the best to acquire and who's the best to put resources into. I think if you look at a guy like Dylan Cease, to me, he makes a lot of sense as a pitcher who. Fits Brent Strom's profile, a rising fastball guy who he has yeah. worked with well in the past. Uh, and he's also a guy who's not coming up on free agency that soon, which gives him a, a better chance to grow alongside this uh, young Diamondbacks team that, you know, even as they looked very positive in 2023, I don't think anyone with that organization thinks that 2023 is their very best chance at glory. I mean, this team is going to keep growing for a few more years.
0: You know, back to the bullpen theme here. The Dodgers' pen, after you know four or five meltdowns now over the last week, including last night, they are a dead last in the National League in bullpen or run average. Would or should the Dodgers be willing to trade some of their you know immense you know, prospect talent for relief help? It 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 wouldn't
1: necessarily how they've operated recently. They've been much more of the big fishermen. They they will trade top-level prospects, but for serious star power like Max Scherzer, like Trey Turner, like you Darvish back in the day. That's where they have concentrated their efforts, but I, I would not be surprised if they did try to take a swing. I, I think they probably do have uh, their late-inning guy already. I think Evan Phillips is an extremely good late-inning reliever, so I I don't know that they need to go out and get someone closer. It may be another situation where they go out trawling for guys, kind of a lot of guys that they think they can get for cheap and then winnow down to one or two who actually wind up helping them. I, I would be a little surprised if they sent out uh, a top-level prospect for a relief arm, but I I think you could see maybe someone like Michael Bush, who's a very good hitting prospect but doesn't necessarily have a lot of defensive value uh, and also is kind of blocked in L.A. I would imagine that he might be the, the type of prospect where you start thinking, okay, maybe this is someone we'd trade for a really good reliever.
0: Okay, staying with the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw, Tony yeah, you know, Bobby Miller, who's been really good since he got called up. Hopefully for them, a healthy Julio Urias. Is that enough starting pitching, or should they be looking to add rotation help also?
1: I think some of it depends on where they believe Justin May, Ryan Pepio are, where if they think Gavin Stone can succeed in the relatively near future. Uh, I think all of those guys are going to play a role in determining how aggressively they pursue starting pitching. But if you think Bobby Miller, he's not going to be as good as he has been so far. Obviously, he's incredible. But if you think he's a guy you feel confident throwing as uh, Game 3, Game 4 starter in the playoffs, then... Kershaw and Urias is a really great one, too, and it would not be the first thing I'd think to upgrade on the Dodgers as long as there's a kind of stability health-wise between now and the deadline.
0: All right. Should, should the Padres be in this NL West conversation, and can they fix their somewhat surprisingly bad offense?
1: Yeah, I mean – The later it goes, the more you just kind of wonder if it can click fast enough. Uh, You know, we saw the Phillies last year were in a much worse position and wound up in the World Series. Uh, It's not that anything is impossible or that it's not doable. I, I think the problem for the Padres is just they've already spent so much of their talent capital to build the team that they already have. And that team is just not a very deep lineup. Uh, they've, they had struggles with Machado, injuries with Machado. Xander Bogarts has fallen off a bit after a hot start. Fernando uh, Sates Jr. is playing great. Juan Soto has come on after a cold start. So I think they're going to keep ascending. I would still pick them to surpass the Giants and, and get into the wild card hunt right now. But they really do have a problem at the bottom of the roster where they need to find some creative solutions to build out a lineup that has a chance at scoring when the 7 eight, 9 hitters are up and not only when one through five are batting. Uh, you know, they, They've had success with Gary Sanchez all of a sudden, which that's the type of thing they're going to need to just yeah. constantly be monitoring to see if they can put together a deeper team.
0: Talking with Zach Kreiser from Yahoo. Okay, away from the NL West here. We've witnessed the Mets and the Yankees the last two nights. Which team is in bigger trouble?
1: Uh, The Mets. The Mets Mets are still in bigger trouble. Uh, I think the Yankees, they have once again run into an issue where their offense just tanks when Aaron Judge is not in the lineup. Uh, Unless this toe injury is way more serious than we believe it to be, they're going to get Aaron judge back and not that that's a great way to build a team and rely upon one guy to carry you. But if you're going to rely on one guy, Aaron judge is a good one. So I'm not overly concerned about the Yankees long-term hopes. They're obviously in a very difficult division and that's going to be a tough playoff race in the AL, but the Mets have bigger problems in that almost almost, their entire team is underperforming career norms. And they're not a young team to where you expect all of those to swing back forward. There are a lot of guys who may actually just be in decline now. Obviously, the big one right now is Max Scherzer, who's had difficulty with his slider in a lot of starts this year and has not really figured out a way to work through the middle innings successfully. And they don't have pitchers under the age of 30 who they believe in at all. Uh, So they're going to have to make some tough decisions about whether they can stay the course and rebound and get back into the playoff picture or whether they need to take some more drastic action. And I I don't think there are a lot of obvious drastic moves the Mets could make. I I think they're kind of stuck, you know, staying the course and hoping it gets better, which is tougher to do when you have a lot of guys in their mid thirties.
0: Okay, Zach, you're reading my mind. I don't wish that on anybody because I was going to get to Max Scherzer next. Uh, He's blown big leads in his last two starts. He now has a 445-yard run average. His whip is at 124 after 11 starts this year. Is this career wear and tear, or is he just, like, broken right now for whatever reason? I think it's –
1: I was looking at the numbers. I I was at his Subway Series start the other night, and – if you look through the first three innings of his starts this year, it looks pretty much identical to how he's pitched the past few years, when he's been an undeniable all-star, occasional Cy Young getter ace of a set. Uh, and then from the fourth inning on, he's really run into just trouble. Uh, he's hanging sliders, giving up hard contact. Try—it it seems like he's almost trying to work too efficiently. You know, he's trusting his stuff to a degree that is just not sustainable putting it in the zone and it's getting hit. Uh, And so I wonder if this is some combination of the pitch timer taking a toll on older pitchers. If it's a matter of just having, you know, his breaking stuff be a little bit off and trusting it too much because he's always been able to trust it, you know, There's there's a lot of stuff that goes in there, but I don't think he's necessarily broken in the sense that he doesn't have it anymore because at the beginning of starts, he seems to have it. It's just how does he maintain that through starts? Is is there some tactical or strategic change he needs to make? Because he's not uh, going to be able to pitch exactly the same as he always has, can he make an adjustment that gets him a little bit deeper into games and doesn't lead to the same sort of blown leads and collapses in
0: the middle of the game that he's been experiencing. The Mets and the Yankees, okay, the Mets are in the less competitive, let's call it National League and the Yankees are in the very competitive American League. Do the Mets and Yankees both miss the playoffs?
1: I I don't think they will both miss the playoffs. I I think especially the Yankees, I have a pretty good Feeling that they will still make it, I don't. They're not going to win the division. I'd be very, very surprised if anyone at this point overtakes the Rays. Uh, but if you look at the the base the Yankees are operating from, they they have done all of this without Carlos Radon. I watched him throw live batting practice this week. It looks like he's progressing toward coming back, and he's yet to pitch for the Yankees since signing that deal. Uh, they're going to ideally have more Aaron judge in the second half than they've had in the first half. Uh, Harrison Bader, you can't really trust him to stay on the field either, but theoretically they'd have more of that. I, I, I like the Yankees chances of winning at least a wild card in the AL. I think Fangraphs has their playoff odds, right? At 70% right now to make the playoffs. Whereas the Mets are down at 32%. Um, so would one of them miss the playoffs? Yeah, I think that's very much on the board but I, I'd be pretty surprised if both of them did.
0: Did you see uh, Rodon nail uh, Willie Calhoun? <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> oh, that, that, I, I didn't see a video of it. It sounded painful just from the description I heard.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think Calhoun's had some arm injuries from hit-by-pitches before, so he was uh, oh. kind of scared by it, but he, he wound up saying, you know, when he came out of the trainer's room, he, he said he was okay. It was just a... A thing where it hit, you know, the nerve and his arm went a little numb for a minute, but he was okay after that.
0: Willie Calhoun, who has an Arizona background in his amateur days. All right, Zach, this has been tremendous. Always look forward to doing it. We'll do it again. Have fun, and uh, I wish I were in New York City and watching some of what you saw the last few days. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you.